Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here at Res Talk to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights into a broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. In today's case, we'll be talking about Canada. What's it like in the rating world north of our border? What are some of the things that the Canadian raters do that parallel or differ from what is done in the U.S.? And what can we learn from our neighbors to the north through a cross-border challenge? To define it, the cross-border challenge is an annual event sponsored by ResNet and the Canadian Residential Energy Services Network, CRESNET, to recognize U.S. and Canadian builders who are pioneering the path to high-energy performing homes. CRESNET is ResNet's sister organization in Canada. Now, the cross-border awards are issued to the U.S. and Canadian builders who build a minimum of 50 homes and had the lowest average HERS rating. Today, we'll be speaking with John Godden, who's chair of CRESNET's technical committee, He'll describe the landscape of the Raiders' world in Canada, and he'll also share with us the detailed history, the formation of Cresnet, and the ResNet Cross-Border Challenge. This was the ninth year for the awards, and you can find out details on who the winners were in a link in the show notes. There's also a link to Cresnet, and a link to the Cross-Border Challenge description, and you can also find out about the internationalization of the HERS H2O Water Efficiency Rating Program by links in the show notes. And finally, you can connect with John. We have his email address. And you can review and consider subscribing to the magazine that he publishes called betterbuilder.ca. So let's get on and have our conversation with John Godden about Cresnet and the ResNet Cross-Border Challenge. So you may have met John before because he's a frequenter of the ResNet conference, if you're a conference attendee. And John can describe where he originates from and why he comes to ResNet. Just give us a little background, John. I'm a recovering builder. So one of Canada's original R2000 builders, which was a low energy program in the 80s. And I actually got very interested in HERS right outside of university. So I graduated from environmental studies and read the early descriptions of Steve Baden working in Alaska and then California and got very excited about it and then started to get involved in the Canadian programs. And back in the day, there weren't that many people doing it. So I started off as a builder and started doing mechanical designs and installations because I figured the HVAC guys weren't on the ball. And as time has gone on, helped pilot the Energuide program. It's a rating system, the Canadian equivalent of HERS in Canada. And myself and two other colleagues wrote the Energy Star specification for Canada for Energy Star for Homes. And now I'm actually working on a open source platform, third-party verification using HERS. And Cresnet uses the ResNet MinHERS standards as our guidelines as well. And I offer builders and do advocacy for builders in municipalities that want the builders to build better than code. So it's come full circle. If I was to simplify my 
role. I'm really like a coach because I've framed houses, designed mechanical systems. When I build custom houses, would do everything but the plumbing, electrical, and sanding the drywall. So, Give us a backdrop of the environment in Canada. What province are you in and what's it like to do the work that you do? Compare and contrast that with the United States. It's a little bit of a flip. We signed at Cresnet, which is the Canadian Residential Energy Services Network, a memorandum with Resnet in 2007. And actually in 2012, our building code through my advocacy and other partners, hers was recognized as a code compliance approach in energy performance to get building permits. So I've been doing that in Ontario for 10 years, fee for service. And Ontario's building code is one of the most advanced, I'd actually say maybe a little bit better than California. So Ontario is basically centered in the greater Toronto area where we build 45% of the housing completions in Canada. Okay. So it's a big chunk or a big slice of the pie. So I've been doing energy performance using HERS for about 15 years to get permits. And we have many municipalities that want something better than code. And most of them reference Energy Star, but I offer this alternative called Better Than Code using HERS. And it's very flexible and a little bit less on the paperwork than some of the other government programs. So people like that. And I'm hands-on, so I'm on the site and I'm coaching the integrated design process, getting builders and sub-trades and designers to integrate a house. That's a tall order. <laughs> Do you have colleagues or staff or how does this play out? So my company is called Better Than Code and we are a Canadian HERS rating provider. And I work with probably about 15 people to do all the ratings I do in a year. Got it. It's an organic approach because I talk to builders very early in their subdivision processes because, again, they've all got to get approvals based on some pretty sometimes onerous asks by the localities to be sustainable. Have you had any challenges with that where you were not able to, or how does that work out? I'm the last guy that will want to be backed into a corner. So rarely I do a lot of advocacy. Do I not get a municipality to accept a choice, to give builders a choice? So it would be Energy Star or something else equivalent. And under that equivalency, I can actually use hers to, especially with the index, calculate where houses fit in terms of ASHRAE 90.2. So I don't know if everybody understands what that is, but it's basically a standard that indexes weather zones across North America to look at what is a zero ready point for a house. And it's a 46. Many of my builders, that's their target, is to hit ASHRAE 90.2 when the building code is about a HERS 57. So I'm trying to get them to a 46, and many builders are just building in Ontario to a 57. Got it. That's really where there's the beauty in that scale. You can 
drive everything down to a couple numbers and see the spread on those numbers. Let's go back a little bit to how Kresnet got started. Uh, you mentioned 2012, is that correct? Kresnet is, the memorandum was signed at the World Green Building Council meetings in Toronto in 2007. 2007, okay. Steve Baden came up here and we were all very excited because that was the time when the Canadian version of Energy Star for Homes was being developed. And there was a little bit of a power struggle between those of us who were raiders that had always been working on our own, and then the programs that actually wanted us to offer Energy Star through them. And in the end, the federal government are the ones that own the rights to the Energy Star program. And in my mind, raiders lost their autonomy and became agents of the federal government. So I'm about the only one in Canada. There's a couple of exceptions. We have a small network that uses PERS ratings. And they're widely used for lead for homes as well. PERS is, as everybody probably understands, is the engine for energy efficiency for lead for homes. Like the energy rating plugs in there as well. So one of the things we wanted to talk about was the cross-border challenge. That's an annual contest. Describe to the listeners what that is. Interestingly enough, Bill, it started when I would come down to the ResNet conferences, especially in San Diego during the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we'd always have an American team playing off against a Canadian team. And that's where I sort of got the idea to challenge Steve. And it's interesting the way it evolved. It's really just a friendly competition between Canadian and American builders to see how we're all doing because the HERS index is a very powerful way, especially as we're approaching climate change, to gauge how people are doing. It developed from there, and Steve and I started doing presentations probably about six or seven years ago at the ResNet conference. And just a great way to introduce Canadian building practices to American building practices. And it really is the genesis of something I'm working on right now. We have a very promising technology in Canada. It's called gray water recycling. It can actually use shower water, two showers a day, to collect 150 liters of water, or probably about 50 or 60 gallons a day to flush toilets. And it's a new technology. It doesn't fit into the EPA WaterSense program. It hasn't really been considered in HERS H2O. So I'm working with the EPA and have a memorandum of understanding with ResNet to do a pilot study on how we use HERS H2O to get to a WaterSense label on a Canadian house that has gray water recycling in it. So that was a mouthful. But in my locality, again, builders are offered density bonuses and more allotments for houses if they can save water. So in one municipality, they're giving 28% more allotments if builders can hit about 20% water reduction on interior water use. That makes sense. Because the water in some areas in the U.S., is permits are being restricted because of issues with available water supply. Yeah, and if you look at, at pictures of Lake Mead, it's actually quite scary. 
It is. We were out there at a conference a few weeks ago and saw that it sends a chill up your spine. What do you consider one of the most fun things about the work you do or fulfilling? I have always been involved in cultivating builder leadership and in a really healthy way. Everything I do is challenging builders to do sort of more with less and to be creative about their own brands. Initially, Energy Star was very helpful in helping builders sell energy efficiency. It replaced an old program called R2000, which was supposed to be the house of the new millennia in 2000. And it was started in 1984. So that program is still around. People are still referring it to as being R2000 and we're R2022. So the thing I love doing the most is using hers and better than code to help builders take ownership with their own brand. For them to really, really understand what they can offer people, how they can educate them, and how they can sell upgrades. Because that's something that's not really well done. And so anybody that's followed somebody like CR Hero, I'm like CR, but I'm out on the site and I'm actually engaging the guys on the site and showing them hands-on how to do that. And it's very rewarding when I can actually look back at a site and see that I'm sort of the intel inside a builder's brand where I'm helping them and their sub-trades integrate an offering so that home buyers can get some value and understand what they've actually bought under the hood. And it's all done through the branding. It's done through the asset labels. But what's really different, it's not even hers. It's better than code with the builder's brand. So for example, I have a builder who has a hybrid house that's a lot like a plug-in car, right? There's a bunch of different energy sources. There's battery storage. There's even a little bit of solar energy. I don't have a lot of builders that are building net zero homes because in our market, we have a surplus of electricity and utilities are not really allowing us to hook up to the grid. Wait, say that again. A net zero house really doesn't work in our locality because we have a surplus of electricity. So none of the utilities really want to buy it back, so to speak. Oh, no net metering. That's the hookup to the grid. Okay. It's very difficult for us to get permits to do that. And I would actually say to most people, now that we have battery technology, we don't need these massive solar arrays because they're quite carbon intensive, right? Mm -hmm. So Cresnet itself, do you have a particular mission or goal with the organization? The great news for Resnet is the vision statement is to expand the use of hers in Canada. That's the first part of our mission statement. Is there engagement in the development of the ResNet standards from Cresnet, or are you entrusting that to the ResNet leadership? We've actually Canadianized it because we have some different standards and references, but it's pretty much parallel and similar. Can you draw out any, just one or two differences? The big difference is we don't do duct leakage testing because all of our air distribution systems are inside the house. So we're in a heating climate. We have basements in almost every house. So our heating equipment is inside. 
Can you describe the climate zone sort of like in the U.S. basis? What's your- What's zone six? Zone six, okay. In Toronto. So no humidity issues? We have a particular challenge with very cold winters. And because Toronto's on one of the Great Lakes, Lake Ontario, huge humidity in the summer. We have to be able to make choices that are good for heating and good for air conditioning. Dehumidification aspect, sure. So that is a huge difference. I mean, we have a winter climate like Minnesota and what would be the other state? Maybe Georgia, South Carolina. Not quite that humid, but we would get above, very easily get up to 90 degrees Fahrenheit during the summer and probably maybe 30 events that happen like that. So we're getting more high heat events in the summer. What form of outreach do you take or recommend to get this engagement with the builders to help them develop their brands? That's a very good question. So I talked about getting very creative. I have a magazine called Better Builder, and anybody can actually go on the internet. It's betterbuilder.ca. And it's really an attempt to bring together premium product manufacturers and builders to create affordable, low-cost, energy-efficient homes. And so a lot of builders are stuck in the cost filter. And a good part of my time is, just like late-night TV, is showing them that I can save them enough money so they can pay me to rate their houses. That's the feedback loop for continuing these things forward. How long have you been doing that publication? Uh, It's 10th year anniversary. And I was working on the magazine before it became Better Builder. So I've been at the magazine game probably for about 15 years. Ironically, I have a, when I came up with the competition on my 50th birthday, the Green Builder Challenge, I got a letter from Green Builder Magazine suggesting that I couldn't actually use that name, but I do have the trademark in Canada to the Green Builder Challenge. Got it. You'd mentioned that to me before we started talking about your 50th birthday. Can you describe that event and what your goals were there? I started my family later. So I had two young kids, probably when I was in my early 40s. And I was thinking about what do I do to actually influence people to create a better future for my kids? So I came up with this thing on my 50th birthday to challenge builders to get 50 houses to a hers 50. It was actually successful. That's probably the first time when I went out on my own, separate from a formalized government program like Energy Star or R2000, and just directly engaged builders to do that. Around the same time, Bill, I, I set up a nonprofit called the Sustainable Housing Foundation. So that's another place people could visit, sustainablehousingfoundation.org. What's the mission of that? organization? It's actually to engage builders and stakeholders in sort of a social enterprise way to create sustainable houses in Canada. So again, I'm always trying to offer an alternative to the formalized government programs. You talked earlier about R2000 and something called Guide. Can you describe what that is? This is something that you helped create to build, to structure? It's a lot like the HERS scale. Originally, the HERS scale went from zero to 100. 
And the underguide rating in Canada was just that, that we had a scale that went from zero to a hundred and zero being sort of the most inefficient house you could find and a hundred being an off-grid net zero house. ResNet turned that scale around because they understood that zero was the goal. And our federal government couldn't really get the index to work well past 80. So it was abandoned. So now the Energuide rating system, actually, it is an asset label like hers, but it gives a unique energy consumption on each house. So actually an energy a measurement, what's the unit of measure? Yeah, the energy, it's gigajoules, which nobody understands. Uh, I think kilowatts is a much easier thing conceptually. But the two systems work very, very different because one was originally designed for government research and to create this database for housing. And so what it does is it defaults all the occupancy loads in the house to be the same for every house. Whereas hers actually uses ANSI 301 and all the formulas to count the impact of the occupants. So the energy ratings are very, very different. And in Energuide, you can't really compare because you don't have an index, right? The beauty of the HERS system is you can take a house in California and compare it to one in Minnesota and get a normalized index over the different climate zones. We don't have that in Canada anymore. You just get a number. So looking backward, you've been involved in a tremendous number of things. Looking forward, what are some of your goals here? I'm going to tell you one of my irritations is everybody's walking around talking about net zero. Zero actually means nothing. And I'm being kind of glib here. There's nothing that homo sapiens do that can be zero. Like there's energy impact, there's consumption. So my goal the next little while is to get people talking about low carbon, low embodied carbon in building materials and low operational carbon with respect to energy efficiency and fuel consumption. Got it. So I am actually quite concerned about these zero targets because I don't think they're practical. I don't actually think they exist. So what we refer to as net zero is really balanced energy, right? Sure. The loads versus the generation. Yeah. Yeah. And so what kind of happens is there's a little bit of a distortion because people are actually using more electricity. Per capita electricity is going up rather than going down because of all the technology we have. And so getting to this balanced energy thing, zero, is a lot more complicated because a lot of the carbon that we're creating is actually making building materials. So glass, solar panels, concrete, steel are relatively carbon intensive. So how do we start building a house that's actually got lower embodied carbon in it? You just asked a question. Can you answer it? (laughs) Any ideas? And you know what? My late great father taught me that common sense is anything but common. (laughs) So I'm really pragmatic. Net zero is an aspirational goal. It's an idea. It's not a thing. And that's what's troubling to me. And people are branding that a certain way. 
architects have these zero energy houses that are made of glass. I can't figure that one out. Can you? Not if you think about the carbon impact. Yeah. So wrapping up here for our listeners, what thoughts would you like to leave them with in terms of the goals of the cross-border challenge, as well as anything that you've encountered over your distinguished career doing this kind of work for better part of 40 plus years? I'm going to encourage people to get away from simple thinking. (laughs) That's what seems to happen in policy, right? Where we're trying to solve a problem. And I would really encourage energy raters. And in Canada, we're actually referred to as recognized energy advisors. I wear my energy raider hat proudly. The most impact that we can have is to get builders to take ownership of their own brand. Because when they believe in their own brand, they sell it and they drive it. And so I'm not a fan of brands like Energy Star that actually overshadow a builder's own brand. And when the program, whether it's LEED or Energy Star or anything else, Zero Ready, becomes the thing, that's when we lose builders' ability to actually participate and change things. So I think you can tell, I'm really an American living in Canada. I'm a Canadian (laughs) citizen, but I'm a moderate. And I really would like, in Canada, my dream is to have a market-based energy rating hub. And that's what I work every day to get. And that's what you see in the HERS rating that's operating in the U.S., more or less? Yeah, its whole development is standards-based and working with small businesses to do energy rating on houses and verification. We don't have that in Canada. We actually have federal programs that actually fund basically home builders associations to deliver programs. And I'm coming at the complete opposite end of actually trying to give builders the tools, whether it's a sustainability checklist or a HERS H2O label or a better than code HERS label to actually use that to sell their houses to home buyers. It makes sense. If anyone would like to reach out to you, John, what's the best way to do so? I'm going to give, oh, there's so many emails. I'm going to actually do it through the magazine. So editorial at betterbuilder.ca. And then if people want to see what I'm doing with the Better Than Code platform, it's betterthancode.ca and the CA is Canada. And then the last one that I'll talk about again is the magazine. So anybody wants to go and see what we're doing in Canada for the last 10 years, betterbuilder.ca. Very good. Well, thank you for the insights you've given, the background on your career and the creation of this interesting cross-border challenge where we're worrying about gigajoules and (laughs) all kinds of things. (laughs) And I appreciate you coming on the podcast today to share these thoughts and insights with our listeners. We look forward to seeing you in person at a future ResNet conference for people that are going and be wonderful to meet up with you then. I got to say, that's the biggest thing I miss. That used to be the highlight of my year because I'm basically an energy geek at heart who's taken up golf, right? So whenever I come down to the, I can get a game of golf in. So, right. You can 
participate with your American friends who are like-minded. That's great. Yeah, and, and golf is just like hers, right? It is. The lower, <laughs> the, lower the, the score, score the, the better. better. There yeah. you go. Well, on that note, we teed off before. Now we're going to finish up. We're rounding the corner on the 18th, heading back for the clubhouse. Thank you, John, for joining us on the Res Talk podcast. Very punny guy. Uh, <laughs> take care, man. Okay. You too. Thanks for the opportunity. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. We spoke with John Godden on the Kresnet and ResNet cross-border challenge. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us forward slash professional to learn more or join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. A quote for today by Ayn Rand. A creative man is motivated by the desire to achieve, not by the desire to beat others. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard here today or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet, R-E-S-N-E-T, US. And if you've not subscribed, please consider doing so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.